Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. The OG3 is here, and we kind of reviewed our episodes and realized that we hadn't talked about a very important topic uh, that happens with a lot of dairies, most dairies nowadays, and a lot of beef operations as well, and that is AI and cattle. I think we've kind of skirted around the topic of the benefits of AI a little bit when we talk about certain things, but the actual act of inseminating cattle, we haven't talked about it very much. To be honest, right away, I've bred three cows in my life, and that, that's the extent of my knowledge. So I am not the expert at all on this. Emily, you said you've bred maybe a couple more than that? Yes, just, just a couple more. I, I did take an AI class when I was in college and then, you know, thought I was a hot shot and tried my hand. And <clears throat> I don't really breed cows that often anymore. <laughs> so that means I'm the expert today. Uh, that leaves Bradley. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That's what we're going with today. Uh, we are going to be helped out quite a bit by an article that Karen Johnson wrote, uh, one of our extension educators, and I will make sure to put that in the show notes so you can see all the things that we're talking about. And really, this is meant to be kind of a review because there's a lot of people that know a lot of these things. But I think it's good to cover some of the basics and make sure that this information is out there. And then we can talk freely about AI uh, knowing that we have this reference there. Quick review, big benefits to AI, especially on dairies. One of the big things we've talked about in the past is AI allows you to not have a bull, which is very important, especially for Emily's Emily's work. Um, I've been chased Correct. around. Yeah, I've been chased around by dairy bulls and I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, Em, give us a quick 30 second update on why you shouldn't have a bull. Yeah, so of course, you know, they're, they're big and even... People who be like, oh, this is a really nice bull. We raised him since he was a calf. That doesn't matter. You know, as bulls age, they can definitely get um, more temperamental, angrier, and, and it's just unsafe. They, they can hurt cows while attempting to breed. If they get loose, they're a hazard to all people. I mean, children through adults. I know plenty of adults, know of plenty of adults, I should say, that have been killed by bulls. So they're just... Very, very dangerous. Yeah, and it's uh, it only takes one close call with a bull. And I still, I haven't been to a dairy before. I'm still asking. It's one of my first questions I ask when I get to a dairy. Is there a bull anywhere that I need to know about? Some people laugh because they definitely don't have one. But every once in a while, they say yes. And that's a really good thing to have asked. Brad, how about from a genetic standpoint? Why is AI beneficial over potentially using a bull? really has to do with you get more milk production and that that's a lot of it uh, bulls tend to be a little bit inferior to ai bulls obviously because they ai bulls have been selected for milk production net merit you name it and the semen has been tested for quality that's another one that you don't really hear about on a farm and you know, that's a tough conversation to have with farmers. And I've had that before where they're like, you know, I had a bull out in my heifers and, you know, I had 40 heifers and I got two pregnant and they're like, well, what's wrong? And it's like, mm, maybe you should test that bull to actually see if he's any good. And then they go and test him and go, oh yeah, he's no good. And it's like, well, now you've wasted six, seven months of your herd. And, you know, 
you hear all kinds of stories uh, that deal with bulls, whether it's from a safety issue, uh, inferior genetics issue, or just soundness. Yeah, and I think that gap that's there on the dairy side certainly exists on the beef side as well. It's just a little smaller. Natural service is so prevalent, and there's really, really nice natural service bulls out there for beef cows. So um, especially with labor, time, any of those things, having bulls around for your beef cows is certainly a good idea as well. Uh, AI, again, same kind of benefits on the beef side. You've got genetics improving faster than if you use natural service. You don't have the issue of having to rotate bulls if you have uh, a bull that's around for quite a while, those kind of things. The, the other piece of this that we talk about uh, is biosecurity. The semen coming from a genetics company uh, those bulls are highly tested and, and regulated to make sure that they don't have any of these infectious diseases that we worry about that can be a real problem for at a whole herd level. So another reason for AI. Okay, let's quit talking about the benefits of AI. So if you want to actually AI cows, there's a lot of things that can happen in the process of actually AIing uh, or actually getting the semen into the cow that can go wrong uh, and decrease the chance that cow is going to get pregnant. Really, this is all about semen handling and what you do when that semen comes out of the tank and making sure that we take care of it correctly. Brad, if you could walk us really briefly through things and we'll maybe go back and slow it down at each step, but what are the, the big steps uh, when we're talking about getting everything ready and then AI? Well, you sort of have to go, go back and make sure that the cow or heifer can be bred. Obviously, that you you need to figure that out. There's many ways to do it. Brad likes sensors. We'll throw that in there. Uh, yes, we lo we love sensors. Uh, but even you know noting different signs of estrus uh, because you don't really want to put semen in an animal if it's not going to get pregnant or have the opportunity to get pregnant because it's it can be very expensive. You know some of the bulls that that we've used here can be eight dollars to. $50. Uh, so it's, you, you know, there's real money going into an animal. I also think about it too, Bradley, as, you know, then you're handling that cow more because she's not showing heat and you're just breeding or breeding her. And so, you know, you also really want to reduce how much you're handling them and, and doing the breeding process too. It's important to, to make sure they're ready. Sensors are nice to tell you who to keep an eye on, but uh, I think we talked about it before. You can't just rely on the sensor there. You got to look for all the other signs of estrus to make sure that that cow is ready. But also remember if on your farm, you say we all watch for heat, that means nobody's watching for heat. You're right. Let's say we check her and we know she's in heat. What's the next step? Well, some people, you know, have tanks on their farm so they can, you know, breed animals themselves. So that's a, an advantage to being able to do that. Obviously, if, if you don't, you know, then you have to call a technician to come to do that for you. But if if you have it on your own, you have to prepare the semen, uh, get it out of the liquid nitrogen tank and thaw it. It really comes down to taking it out of the tank very fast and then thawing it in, I like to say, 96 degrees uh, for a minute. Uh, at least that's my my philosophy. It makes things a little bit easier that way. Sorry to interrupt everybody, but there's a couple things that I wanted to make sure that we got into this episode. So here we go. So the big thing that we need to remember is that the clock has started. Once that straw semen enters the water bath, we've got 15 minutes 
until that semen has to be in the cow. So it needs to be in the water bath for a minimum of 30 seconds, but it can be in the water bath pretty much as long as you want. But we have started the clock, and as soon as that straw semen hits the water bath, we've got 15 minutes to get it into the cow. Important to note, you really should be calibrating or at least checking the temperature of that water periodically to make sure it hasn't cooled down too much. If you are using a electric water bath and you want to make sure that that's staying at the right temperature, want to make sure that we're not putting too many straws in there that causes that temperature to drop, it's really got to stay in that 94 to 98 degree temperature window. Uh, 96, like Bradley said, is a great number to shoot for. All right, that's all I had for now. Back to Bradley. When you uh, are done thawing it, you want to check the straw to make sure that it's the correct bowl. Uh, that's always a plus uh, because sometimes people are thawing multiple units at a time and you want to make sure that you grab the right one if you have more in there. At our research station, we've had oopses and you breed the wrong cow to the wrong bull and you know genomic, genomic testing can now pick that up. But um, that's always important too is to make sure that you're breeding uh, the animal with the correct semen that you want to use. So I'll, I'll throw out a, a big plug and, and hopefully all the breeders that I've worked with over the years will, will clap for me and cheer for me here. But the, the big thing is that having the cow restrained while all of this is happening and with the proper restraint before you get started is huge. It takes a little bit of concentration to do this if you haven't done it a lot. Um, people have done a lot. You still are, are working to concentrate on something and, and you're not paying attention to as much to what the cow is doing and moving. If you're not properly restrained, it's a really easy way to get hurt. Uh, and trying to catch cows by yourself and breed and everything, all that does is waste a lot of time in, in these very busy days for these breeders. So just a, just a big plug. If you have someone coming to your farm to breed a cow, make sure you got that cow caught and it's, it's ready to go when they get there. Uh, and, and if you don't help them get that cow caught, get them restrained properly. We're done figuring out that we have, uh, thawed the semen. We want to, you know, get our breeding gun out. We want to make sure that the breeding gun is warm. There's, um, you know, many ways to do that. Some people, uh, put it in their shirt or put it in some paper towels to keep it warm, but you know, you, you want to keep it warm. So you don't have any cold shock on the, on the semen because that can, kill semen, things like that. So you want to be able to keep it warm and then keep it warm at all times. Even after you've loaded the breeding gun, you want to keep it warm to be able to go out and breed the cow. So Brad, this is the piece that I think confuses a lot of people. It confused me a lot too. But once you have a thawed straw of semen, what do you do with it to get it into the gun? And then is there anything else that needs to happen with your already warmed gun to get it ready? Well, once you take the semen out of the hot water bath, but you have to get a scissors, clip the end off, uh, make sure that you clip the right end off because you, you know, there's a cotton end in one side that is used to, to push the semen out. But so make sure you cut the right end and then you put it into a, a plastic sheath. Then I usually load, you know, pull the, the plunger on the gun back, maybe six inches, and then insert the the gun over the semen into the sheath uh, and then kind of make sure that uh, it's tight. There's many different uh, breeding guns that you can use. The ones that I'm more familiar with are ones that have a, a screw on. So you screw the sheath onto the breeding gun. 
uh, you got to make sure that that's uh, on the breeding gun, although because you don't want it falling off inside. Uh, it's happened to me before, and then you pull pull out the, the breeding gun, and there's nothing in there, and then you got to dig around and figure out where your where your sheath is. But so you have to make sure that that's on there securely uh, before you even go breeding the animal. And that's a really important piece of the biosecurity too. Uh, that you've been talking about, Joe, and and making sure that you use a different sheath every time, of course. When you go out to to breed the cow, there's out you know there's always lots of things. I you you have your breeding gun. You probably should bring some paper towels or something to you know wipe the vulva off. It's hard to explain for for me. I, I've bred many cows. I've learned how to AI when I was 19 years old. So sometimes it's you know you kind of go up to the cow and put your arm in the rectum and clean the manure out of the rectum. Sometimes you can check uh, if, if the cow is actually in heat. You know, some, some people may be more experienced at that and others. You can certainly feel for tone, I guess, is what a veterinarian might say uh, in, in the uterus. Joe, what's, what's feeling for tone? Yeah, so uh, a couple of things when I'm in there looking at heat is First of all, you you can actually kind of pull the uterus back towards uh, the, the vulva. You can sometimes get some discharge, and that would be um, some clear fluid, and that's usually pretty common for heat. Tone in the uterus, a lot of times the, the uterus itself, when it's not in heat, is pretty flaccid and loose, and you can feel each horn pretty extended. When we get into a uterus, a uterus that's in heat, uh, it, it feels physically firmer. Uh, and tight and it like it's curled almost curled up and there's a there's a little more yeah, just tone there the big thing and I think what a lot of people struggle with when they're first learning to palpate or when they're first learning to to breed is just feeling what's going on when you first start and, and everyone's in the same boat you're just in there stirring poop around you don't understand what's going on you can't feel what's going on in there and and really you need to break it down into really simple tasks for palpation, the first step is always find the cervix. Just sweep the floor of the pelvis until you find the cervix. A lot of times, I think that would be the first step for me in teaching someone either palpation or how to breed. You, you go in, you find the cervix, and you don't even breed that cow. That's, that's all you do. You don't check for pregnancy, nothing. I just want you to find the cervix, and then we can go from there and learn all the other skills that are involved in doing it. But that's the first step for, for almost everything is just go in, figure out what you're feeling, and, and find the cervix first. I think once you've found the cervix, it can be a little bit tough getting a breeding gun in, especially if you're you know, breeding heifers. Grew up breeding Jersey heifers, and sometimes those are really difficult to, you know, the, sometime, the, the cervix is not hardly any bigger than the breeding gun sometimes. So trying to get a breeding gun into a, a small cervix can be difficult. I was taught you kind of squeeze the end of the cervix, uh, it kind of opens the end of the cervix, and then you can insert the gun. It's usually there's three rings that you kind of have to maneuver through the cervix to get there. Um, and then you can feel at the end, once you get into the uh, uterine body, you want to deposit the semen slowly into the uterus, not just squirt it in there, because that can uh, not be good. Hi, it's Dr. Joe again, and I'm interrupting. Just a couple comments. The uterine body is very short, so it's really easy to get too far past the cervix and then end up in one of the uterine horns, and that's not something we want to do. We really want that semen to be deposited in the uterine body. 
another thing that I think is really helpful, and it, it's definitely something that you can learn to feel if you have someone who's collected reproductive tracts from cows, or if you have an animal die on your farm, it's worth going and finding that reproductive tract and, and getting a feel for this. The cervix itself is just a thickened part on the uterus, and that's what it feels like. Now, when you're actually getting your gun into the cervix, it feels gritty. So if you don't feel that gritty kind of texture on the end of your gun and all you're feeling is smooth, 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 that means you're probably not in the cervix. You might be around the cervix, but you're not actually at the entrance yet. So just wanted to make that note. Back to the regular show. I was always told, and, and you guys can tell me this is right, wrong, or whatever. I was always told that you're less trying to get the gun through the cervix as you are trying to maneuver the cervix over the gun. Is that how you guys were taught as well? Yes. Yeah. You want to maneuver mm -hmm. the cervix uh, yeah. and because you don't want to be poking the gun and because you can do some damage in there if you accidentally go into the uterus and puncture through the uterus. Yeah. Wall, that would be uh, disastrous. So uh, it, you want to go slow. It's it's not a race. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's really what your palpating arm is for. That was something I really remember was kind of reframing as like, it's there not just to help you find, you know, where you're at along the tract, but also, yeah, to help to kind of manipulate that cervix uh, to be able to get it in a position where the gun is just barely through it, just at the base of the, the uterus there. One of the other things that, uh, and, and th this will save you a lot of headaches uh, and, and keep you from making that cow very angry and jumpy uh, you really need to try to avoid going into the urethra. So uh, to, to avoid that, what we do is we try to make sure that we take the gun and we're inserting at an up angle at the top of the vulva if we can, because that urethra is so sensitive. Uh, we don't want to go in there with the gun uh, and that can cause some damage as well. So make sure you're basically pointing the gun uh, at a, like a 30 degree angle up towards the top of the vulva, and then you can flatten it out once you're in into the vaginal vault. You know, sometimes it can be difficult to get through the cervix and especially in heifers, sometimes you might get past the first ring and you can't, it just won't work. So some people give up, but you should just deposit the semen. If you can't get any further, just deposit it where it's at. And the chances are likely, even if it's in the cervix that you might get that animal pregnant. You know, a, a bull doesn't uh, deposit semen in the cervix or the uterus. So by using AI, we're getting the semen further in than what a bull would actually do. And it's another reason to handle the semen correctly before you get it in the gun and before you get it to the cow, make sure it stays warm because the viability of that semen, if you handle it really well, once it's in the cow, it, it sticks around for quite a while but it all is really dependent on the first steps of handling everything correctly, keeping it warm and doing all of that. And if you have a bowl, making sure it's good to begin with. So I think when you're done, obviously, you know, you want to double check that you use the right semen for the right animal. Uh, so double check, you know, kind of clean things up, uh, throw away the gloves and sheaths and all that stuff. Cause obviously biosecurity is important as well. One thing is, is practice. I think, Practice uh, makes perfect. It's not going to be easy. And it's certainly not easy the first time. You know, even, even I think about it, I've known how to AI for over 25 years, and I still get frustrated sometimes with some heifers or whatever that 
it's like I just you you can't get through the cervix or something's going wrong. So, you know, it's always good to have a refresher course, and there's many different AI courses, uh, things like that, to be able to uh, brush up on your techniques. That's really what it comes down to. There, there's a lot of moving pieces to when this happening, and you know, when Bradley, who's done it for a really time, long time, talks about it, it sounds simple. But when you're actually doing it yourself, there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things to think about, things that you should be double checking, like is, is it the right bull, all of those thing, kind of things, remembering to warm up your gun, all these things that can can really trip you up in, in having success doing this. So uh, hopefully, if you are learning this, you have someone who's teaching you and kind of mentoring you and how to do this, and you have the opportunity to practice. And I think that's probably the most beneficial thing about an AI class is getting to see this and basically a no pressure situation and probably practice on some cows that are not your own and they uh, are usually cull cows that we practice on so we don't really want them to get pregnant and we're using either throwaway semen or fake semen an ai class is super valuable and if you don't have an ai class to learn a lot of this stuff then you need to have a really good mentor to walk you through all of these things it also helps to have other readers around because it gives you a benchmark for that herd or whatever you're doing to then see like, am I being, am I being successful? Am I doing everything correctly? Because if you have a number to compare to, then, then, you know, uh, whether or not you're, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And if, if you're not, that means you're spending a lot of money, you know, using straws of semen and that. And so you need to have something to, to measure success with and, you know, we didn't really get into all the conception rates and and all those things that you're looking for. But you have to remember that all of those things in the end do make a difference in in the bottom line on the farm and and just how well you can keep moving forward with your breathing program and and keeping that on time. It's really easy to evaluate that kind of stuff in a computer software, whether it's PC Dart or Dairy Comp, looking at sires and you can enter technicians in there, all that stuff. You know, last breeding season here, I was 100%. I bred one heifer and I got her pregnant. So I still got it. Just next time you say that, leave out the, it was only one heifer thing. Just yeah. be like 100%. 100%. That's all you need. I have Charlie J. Hines, PhD, <laughs> yeah. tenure and, professor, 100%. 100%. And, and not everyone can be Bradley and be 100% with that. And and you have to evaluate that for your hurt. Sometimes it's better to just have someone else do it who does it all the time, all day, every day. They're very good at it. And sometimes that's, that's the best solution, depending on your situation with labor and time and everything else. So uh, I think that's where we'll wrap it. We'll call it a day. As always, Emily has our plugs. If you have questions, comments or skating rebuttals to today's episode you can email those to the moose room at umn.edu that's t-h-e-m-o-o-s-r-o-o-m at umn.edu you can find us on twitter at umn moose room and at umn farm safety you can find the dairy on instagram at u-m-n-w-c-r-o-c dairy i will link the article that that matches all the information that we we went over today in the show notes so that you can review it there if you want. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Mm.